one. Okay, welcome to this new podcast series. It's called uh, From the Resort Podcast, and uh, I guess this is only the start of the new series, and uh, where better to start than the uh, His Worship, the Mayor, uh, Jim Bolt. Uh, welcome along. to. Thank you very much for your time today, Jim. Thanks for the invitation, Tim. Looking forward to chatting. Excellent. So I guess I guess the sort of format I sort of use with my podcast, Jim, is to find out a bit about, I guess, your background, where you sort of came from, where you were born, some of the early things in life, and then I guess we'd like to discuss what's sort of going on uh, in the area of Queenstown, perhaps, or in, I know we haven't got a lot of time, but whatever sort of comes, I guess, whatever sort of comes to you is fine. So uh, starting back to where you were born in early life, where did you grow up? Grew up in Invercargill, and um, uh, interesting place to come from. I always reflect on the fact that when I moved away from Invercargill, the population was 50,000. It's still 50,000. When I got to Queenstown in 1982, the population was 3,000. It's now 30,000. So I guess Taylor Two Cities there. Yeah, Taylor Two Cities. I mean, Invercargill, as you said, 50,000 people. I, I have visited there once before. It does remind me a lot of Launceston in Tasmania. It's yeah. um, it's sort of stuck in the 70s or 80s or something like that. But uh, interesting place to grow up and you moved. In 1980, you said you, you sort of first came to Queenstown. Yeah, look, uh, you know, Invercargill, lovely place to grow up as a kid. Had a great uh, upbringing there. Uh, but can I just uh, reflect a little bit on that before we move on? Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, my family, um, mum and dad worked really hard all their life. Mum. Um, one of four kids, I was the last one that came along. Mum um, and dad finally achieved their dream of getting a house when I was a baby um, in a pretty rough part of town. And um, some of the things I saw um, amongst some neighbouring families there probably set my path in life to having um, a social conscience and uh, a desire to do something for uh, other people. Okay, excellent. Um, so then obviously when you, I guess in those early years, what did you sort of uh, get up to sports-wise? What was the, what were you into as far as sport? And uh, Played rugby, played squash, played tennis, um, got involved in motor racing, which I'm still involved in. Um, and um, in fact, I'm racing next weekend in Timaru in the South Island Endurance Series. Um, so one of the good things a bloke can do as you get a bit older is still keep racing and um, we're still competitive, got third at the last round, so let's see where we get to this time. Oh, that's fantastic, Jim. Um, yeah, so what, and uh, obviously you've, you've, I've had a look at your sort of, uh, I guess, CV to a, to a degree and you've obviously had, had quite a, an extensive life, obviously a, a very strong background in the tourism industry, but what was your first job that you had sort of as a teenager? Working for a company called Kaiser Engineers, um, building the TY Point aluminium smelter. And that on its own is an interesting reflection. Uh, it was a $100 million project then, and if you apply the excellent Reserve Bank um, inflation calculator to that, that's $1.7 billion Jeez. these days, um, finished on time and on budget. Really unusual for those days. And that was a reflection on Kaiser Engineers, who were the principal contractor, wonderful um, management um, philosophy which was to concentrate on the end result, the big picture, and not get hung, hung up on the detail, something I've carried forward all my life. So was that where your wife's through at Invercargill or 
after you'd moved to Queenstown, when did you, when was that? When, sorry? When was that, sorry? Oh, that was uh, um, when I left, basically from when I left school in yeah. um, 1969, mm. uh, end of 69 through to about 74. Mm. Okay, and then, uh, so I guess your sort of early career, uh, tell us about where you sort of started with your, I guess, your early career, some of the, the maybe a couple of the jobs that you sort of had even prior to moving to Queenstown. Mm. Uh, and that sort of how that sort of laid the foundation for where you, what you've sort of been doing in Queenstown. Oh, look, I'm one of those people who change my jobs quite often, change career. I've probably had, I don't know, 20 different career changes in my life. Really? Wow. Um, and um, so actually the very first job was driving a bulldozer, um, then moved to uh, Kaiser's, then um, got into the finance industry, uh, got transferred up north with that. Uh, decided to come back down here, um, moved to Queenstown, got involved with the tourism industry, property, um, mm. aviation, oh, look, a whole bunch of different things throughout my career. Um, for a while I ended up um, running Christchurch International Airport, yep. commuting from here, that was really interesting, throughout the uh, earthquake years, mm. building a new terminal, um, really challenging time. Um, but again, I think that gave me some skills which I'm using in the current crisis that's uh, challenging Queenstown. Yeah, certainly. We'll probably get to a little bit of what's sort of been happening, I guess, with the, the crisis and, I guess, Queenstown over the last short while. But um, uh, so obviously lots of different lots of different careers, as you said there. Uh, is there anything that sort of sticks out as something that's, I guess, been the most interesting up in, in those sort of earlier times? Well, earlier times, probably um, Kaiser's working at the smelter. Mm. I reflect um, with a bit of wry interest in the fact that they're now talking about demolishing the damn thing mm. that I built, yeah. uh, which seems quite strange to go through a, a, a lifetime of an industry and a large complex that, that we built. Um, I've always enjoyed the uh, asset financing business. I'm still involved in that. I a, um, a one-third interest in a <coughs> sizable asset financing business that's trucks, bulldozers, diggers and things that we um, we finance. Um, good, challenging industry. Um, I'm also uh, enjoying my ownership of a, uh, a plant hire business. We're in the business of um, uh, owning and hiring telehandlers, which are four-wheel drive cranes. And I've got around 60 of those spread around New Zealand really interesting business and thoroughly enjoying that but probably um, aside from what I'm doing now in terms of a rewarding challenge my time at uh, Christchurch Airport was um, the most rewarding and challenging at the same time when I arrived there the airport had gone through a period of um, unrest um, I took the job on for three months as um, as a fill-in while they found uh, another CEO. I ended up staying for five years. Um, so you were the CEO for about five or six years? Or? I was CEO for five years. I was a director mm. of it beforehand. Mm. But um, when I arrived there, interesting story, when I arrived there, um, we were close to um, um, losing our uh, capability as an airport because um, our fire crew were pretty close to going on strike and so I went over and visited the, uh, the fire crew. Obviously can't have an airport without, um, without fire crew 
and um, they'd just been ignored and they wanted somebody to take some notice of them. And it came home to me when I went to uh, see them the first time and one of the guys said, oh, you're the new CEO. I've been here nine years and I've never met the CEO before. Mm. That says something. So um, what you've got to understand about fire crews at an airport is they spend their life training to do a role that hopefully they never actually have to do. Mm. And you think about doing, you think about your own job training to do it, but never actually doing it. And that's quite a challenge. Um, so look, I volunteered to go and do some training with them. And um, what they wanted was the, the boss to understand the challenges they had, yeah. what they were doing. And so I crawled through the smoke-filled building and put a fire out and crawled through a mock-up aeroplane that's on fire, etc. Got a few burns and had a beer or two afterwards and um, uh, we yeah. just resolved the problem because they knew they had somebody who understood what they were doing and somebody who, if they had a problem, they could call me up and I'd go and have morning tea with them and have a chat about it. Mm. Um, made a big difference. Um, I also introduced a, an interesting concept at Christchurch Airport called job sharing, um, where I would go and spend a day running the, um, the, the mowers on the, uh, the airfield or working in the car park or working on customer service. Um, and staff could also then come and um, spend some time with me um, in the office, seeing what I did on a daily basis. And, worked out really well. We took our staff engagement to below 10% to the high 90s over that period. Excellent. So I guess um, the, being the Mayor of uh, Queenstown, I guess, when did you first, I guess, have the inkling that you wanted to become the Mayor of this beautiful uh, area of the world? I think you've been there for four years. Um, when did that first sort of enter your mind and obviously you obviously got got some really great community support here. Yeah. Um, look, I came back from Christchurch um, and well, I didn't actually go away, I just commuted up there, but after my stint in Christchurch, I came back. Um, Queenstown, Queenstown Lakes District has been very kind to my wife and I. Um, we've had two wonderful children grow up here and do good things in their lives. Um, it's been kind to us from a lifestyle perspective. Uh, it's been kind to us financially. And somewhere along the way, I came to the conclusion that I should pay back um, uh, the fact that the place has treated us well. Um, I got to thinking about the way the district was going and I could see some things that were happening that I didn't like. And I could think of some things that should happen that weren't happening. And so you can go and um, have a cup of coffee with your mates and moan about it, or you can stand up and say, yeah, I'll do something about it. So um, after a long think, I stood for mayor and uh, surprised myself by winning by a bit of a landslide. Uh, wow, that's excellent. And I think that was because people could see I'd bring a business perspective to things and get things done. And I think that's what the community was looking for. And, uh, and look, um, there's a bunch of people out there in the community who probably think I'm an asshole, 
Um, mm. There's another bunch of people out there who think I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, the issue with this role is you've you got to balance it. Um, and no matter what you do, some people aren't going to like it, some people are going to love it, some people will be ambivalent. Um, but you've got to think about what is best for the entire community. Mm. You are making decisions for the entire community and inevitably some people won't like it, others will. Um, and, you know, look, you've got to have a bit of a thick skin to, um, to put up with some of the consequences of that. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, more recently, we've, we've had, obviously, this situation with this, uh, the coronavirus, the COVID-19. Um, you obviously, I think you, from what I've seen, you seem to play quite well with the media. And I remember seeing uh, this, this uh, thing where you jumped off um, uh, bungee jumping uh, just as you got, got out of, into stage two of lockdown or after to stage two of lockdown. Tell us a bit about that experience, because that, that, that's, that's something quite interesting and got yeah. worldwide attention, I think. Yeah, that's really surprised me because um, you can work away and think you're doing um, really good things for the community and sometimes people kind of yawn and say, yeah, well, that's fine, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, jump off a bridge and the whole world says, well, I'll take it, have a look at that. <laughs> um, it, went, it, it went absolutely viral. There was um, yeah. something in the Daily Telegraph, I remember there was a photograph of me jumping off the bridge and, um, and a beer in a swimming pool. Um, and uh, the headline was um, uh, bathing beers and bungee jumping mares. And <laughs> that surprised me. But look, come back to the actual reason for doing it. Yeah. Um, what we wanted to say was Queenstown's back and it's open yeah. for business. That's what I figured. And yeah. you can come here. And um, Henry Van Ash called me up one day and he said, oh, look, we're thinking about kind of relaunching bungee the day we come out of lockdown. How would you feel about doing a bungee jump? So I said, look, if we're going to do it, let's make a bit of, bit of a thing out of it. So I decided to wear, wear the suit and the, uh, the mural chains and take the jump and... <laughs> were the mere chains on when you actually jumped? Yes, they were, but my wife had carefully safety pinned them to my suit. <laughs> uh, I was a bit worried about the big gong thing on the end that would come back and whack me in the face, but um, thank goodness we got away with that. But look, it was, it was, I think it was a really good thing to do just to say, here we are, we're back again. Um, and certainly it did put us on the map. Mm, I mean, it's going to be a challenging. It's a challenging time. I, I mean, I've, from what I've seen since I've been here, it's. I mean, it, the the atmosphere still seems to be. It's got that electrical feel a bit. It's, you don't notice as many tourists, obviously, but you, you still got this good feel about the place. And um, yeah, you got to remember that we live mm. in the most fabulous part of the world. Mm. Full stop. The end of story. Mm. So. Firstly, it's an enormously rewarding place to live. You feel good living here. I mean, take a look at the day outside. Go and take a look at the mountains. You just, you just can't help but feel good here. Um, you know, I still jog a bit and um, running around Lake Hayes on the weekend. I just came back and you know felt like I had an adrenaline shot. It's just, <laughs> you just feel good. So that's a big part of it. Um, if we locals feel good sooner or later the visitors will come back again mm. when markets open up mm. but look wind back to when um 
coronavirus first hit. Mm. You know, kind of latter part of last year in 2019, everybody's reading about this coronavirus thing, oh, it's a Chinese thing, it'll be all right, it's not that problem. Mm. Suddenly it started to come out and be more and more. And uh, then in March this year, um, our wonderful, um, thriving, busy tourist area suddenly had the ignition key turned off. And it was it was really like um, a scene out of um, an, an apocalypse um, movie um, in in the downtown area. You're waiting for the tumbleweeds to roll down the street. There was just nothing happening. The place was completely shut down, and it was quite surreal. And at the time, I remember thinking, "How the hell are we ever going to survive this if this goes on for a decent period of time?" And um, Mm. My wife will tell you, I was walking through the kitchen one day at home in the middle of lockdown and I burst into tears. I was just, I was just thinking about how the hell are we going to recover from what's happened. Um, we all went through this period after lockdown of where um, we walked around wringing our hands for a while thinking, woe is me, how are we going to get around this? And then the realisation hit that, hey, they were the circumstances we had and we had to find our way out of it. Um, we realised pretty quickly that we had to get a, um, a domestic tourism market going here mm. and um, so we started, after the relaunch, we started to get um, domestics back here. We were very hopeful that we'd get the Trans-Tasman bubble at that time because of the issues Australia faced, not your part of the, Australia but other parts. Mm. Um, that wasn't going to happen, so we realised we were stuck with mm. um, just domestic. Mm. Um, people say to me, oh, I see on the, uh, the TV quite a lot, there's a method in trying to get that uh, media awareness. It's about saying to the community, um, look, we're here, we're doing our best, somebody's got hold of the steering wheel, that's where we're going to, and then it's about convincing government, hey, we need some assistance, listen to us, um, we're hurting, help mm. us out. Yeah. And government have come to the party, they've done what we mm. asked them to do. Um, very, very appreciative of that. Um, in particular, I'm delighted with this events funding money that they've come up with. I think that a lot of Kiwis will come to our part of the world for a holiday a couple of times of the year because they can't go anywhere else. What we've got to do is give them reasons to come here six times a year mm. through an event, um, sporting event, cultural event, a, um, a conference, a wedding, whatever it is. How do we get all those sorts of things happening in our district? So that's the job for us until we see um, the Aussie bubble open. Mm. No, it's, 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 it's certainly, being the mayor, it, it's, it's certainly a tough job and, you know, it's, I, I do thank you for, um, you know, basically what, what you've sort of done, you know, for Queenstown in, in, in the four years and leading up to that, obviously, all your particular roles, that you, you've been able to sort of utilise what you've learned over time to be able to benefit this, this great uh, picturesque area of the world that uh, I think a lot of people are jealous that they're not here right now. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the ability to cope with what has gone on um, is a re great reflection on our community. Um, something you've got to realise about um, the people in this district is that the vast majority of us moved here. It's not like I was mm. 
born in Timbuktu and never got around to um, moving away from the place. Mm. We chose this place to live in. Mm. Um, we chose to come here, we chose to make this home, and it makes us very, very passionate about the place. Definitely. Um, so, you know, the folk here are kind of a step above anywhere else in my view, because mm. um, they're, they're motivated, they want to get things done. Just coming back to the crisis and the handling of the crisis, though, um, I think the time I spent at Christchurch Airport in the earthquakes mm. probably ended up being um, a pretty good preparation for what we've had over this past six or eight months or so. Um, it is when you go through a crisis, you learn lots of things. You learn about how to motivate people. You learn about how to think through the issues that are uh, in front of you at a certain point in time and that certainly helped me cope with what's gone on over the past few months. Now one thing that you know this whole pandemic has taught us is that the future is unpredictable. It's a very unpredictable situation but give that you know given that that's the case how do you sort of plan for the future now in this area as the mayor I mean and and how long do you see yourself in this job do you think trying to basically steering the ship? Um, I'll stay as long as I think I'm doing a good job mm -hmm. and the community want me. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. But look, um, when not long after um, the lockdown happened, um, Infometrics um, did an exercise on the future of... Um, Queenstown Lakes District and said we're going to get very high unemployment, our GDP is going to go through the floor, a whole lot of things are going to go wrong. But they based that on do nothing and we didn't do nothing. We got out there and proactively fought and kicked and scrapped to get the best out of it we can. And as a result, the level of unemployment in the district is way below what anybody figured it would be. The damage to our GDP is still massive, but um, it's survivable. I think most operators around town um, have realised that out of the domestic market they can keep their noses above the financial tide. Mm. Um, but um, you know, that said, we still need the internationals to come back at a point in time. Mm. Um, looking at the future, we, now, we don't know when we're going to see the international visitors come back, but we know we can survive on the, uh, on the domestic market. Um, and we know that, as I've said before, the internationals will come back. So our plan is just to continue to do the very best we can with the tools we've got now and then ride the wave again when the rest comes back. Mm. But I think there's one other thing that this has awakened us to and that is that we are totally dependent upon the tourism industry mm -hmm. and we've got some work to do which we've started doing on how we diversify um, our economy. Um, diversifying your economy is a bit like turning the oil tank around. It takes quite a long time um, but if you don't start you never get there mm. uh, and we've started that. So you know the tech industry medical tourism, mm. uh, education, uh, filmmaking, a whole bunch of other things that we are, um, have the right environment to do. We've got to start spreading our, um, our economy out over those.
Uh, thank you very much for your time today, Jim. I think we, I know you're a busy man, so I think I might uh, call it an end to the podcast, but I really appreciate your time. We'll try to get this uploaded and shared to you very much shortly. Hope to catch up with you again very, very soon around the traps. And um, thank you very much. Cheers, Tim. Thank you. There we go. 25 minutes, yeah. Yeah, cool. Great.